have have you guys ever been promoted by the Lord, been you know received some sort of blessing and advancement, only to see disappointment immediately on the heels? I tell you, walking in ministry, um, I've seen it more often than I'm comfortable in admitting. It's just these difficulties where that the Lord advances us, or the Lord promotes us, the Lord gives us this blessing. And next thing you know, you know, we're hit with something and we don't always know where to attribute blame, but we sure do like to attribute blame because we're looking for answers. We're all looking for answers. And a lot of times we're like, oh, this is just the enemy coming against me. And I don't think that's always the case. I think there's times we face difficulties, we face trials and tribulations is one of those biblical words we don't use it except when we're talking about you know trials and tribulations together there we face difficulties and sometimes it's the lord who has said hey this is going to be used to take you to that next level this is going to be used to advance you even more will you trust me in this but lord you just gave me this it still smells new it's still shiny it's still wonderful he's like i know and I want to use this, but will you trust me for more? Today we're going to talk about Joseph. Not Joseph and Mary Joseph. Joseph with the pretty multicolored coat, Joseph. Um, if you want to turn in your Bible to Genesis 45, we're going to spend a lot of time there. And Joseph is one of those guys that we see again and again facing difficulty. We see promotion and then we see setback. We see Promotion and setback. We see provision and setback. As we go through this, there's a couple things I want us to keep in mind. This this story of Joseph's life is meant to show us God's power of restoration. His power of restoration, his power of provision of walking a life trusting God, not always seeing the immediate answer, but trusting Him for the bigger things that He has for us. So I'm going to give us the Cliff Notes version of of Joseph real quick. Joseph, um, from the time that he's introduced to us uh, in in Genesis, we see that he is gifted, that he has uh, spiritual gifts of being able to, of seeing dreams, of interpreting dreams, and so he has this prophetic gifting. Now, what we what we also see when we first meet Joseph is um, it's a bit of immaturity and not being entirely certain how to use that gift. Um, we see probably a little bit of pride. This is my take on it: a little bit of pride in how he shares some of these things that actually kind of brings offense. You know, because he, he shares some things with his brothers. Like he had a dream and he's like, hey, let me share this dream from you guys. Oh, by the way, you like my new coat? Dad gave me this coat. You guys didn't get a coat? You didn't get a coat? I got a coat. Awesome. Hey, let me tell you about this dream. In this dream, all of you are bowing down to me. All of you are bowing. Pretty cool, right? I don't think that's a indication of his heart. I think it's an indication of immaturity. And honestly, I think sometimes we do the same things. We just, we get excited about something and we don't always pray through it and walk in maturity because that's something we've got to develop and to grow in. So the offense was so great with his brothers that they, they put together a plan to kill him. To kill him. Like, hey, let's just kill him. And there's one, one brother who 
he's complicit in the plan, but he's like, no, no, let's not kill him. Let's just pretend like we did. And so that's what they did. And so they, they killed an animal, threw blood on it, shredded the coat, threw him in a pit, and said, Dad, sorry, this son that you love so much, he, he's, he was devoured by a wild animal. Joseph was sold into slavery. And that's our introduction to Joseph. So we're going to talk a lot today about, about forgiveness. And I'm letting you guys know right now, the biggest wounds that we face, the biggest offenses that we face, it's usually those closest to us. It's often family, as in the case of Joseph. It is often family. As much as I, as, as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus, I, I, it pains me to say this, it's a lot of times it's spiritual leaders. A lot of times it's Christians. Which, I, it kind of makes sense if you'll sit with me for a second, although I feel like we should be above certain things, but we do life together. We do life together, and we are close. And so the opportunity to hurt is often there. The opportunity to offend is often there. So I love the fact that in the Scripture, in Matthew chapter 18, we're actually giving a game plan for, hey, here's what happens when you're offended. And and it's real simple. You, You go to that person, and if they don't receive it, you bring a brother or a sister with you. And then if they don't receive it, then you bring spiritual leaders with you. And if they don't, I mean, there there's a plan there. But in that plan, there's endurance. It's not just a one and done. Well, I, I gave him a chance to apologize. He or she didn't do it. So block. We're, we're so quick to block. We're not going to read about it, but Joseph, after he's been thrown in that pit, he's sold into slavery, and then he was sold. And then he landed in actually a pretty dang good situation in the house of Potiphar, and he's given authority over everything and saying, hey, nothing's off limits to you. I mean, except for my wife, of course. But I mean, nothing's off limits to you. And Potiphar's wife, we don't know her name, we know her title, Potiphar's wife. And she set her sights on Joseph. She wanted, you know, to do bad things with Joseph. She's married and Joseph ran and she held on to the cloak. Once again, man, Joseph in cloaks. He had a many-colored cloak. He had the cloak that ended up in the hand of Potiphar's wife. And then later on we see Pharaoh gives him a cloak. It's just very interesting. So he takes off, gets the heck out of there. She's like, he tried to, you know, he, he tried to assault me, to rape me. And so he's thrown in jail. Promotion and now thrown in jail. And then other guys are thrown in jail. I know it's not the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker, but I'm just letting you know, they always, that's what always comes to mind. Um, so it was... Um, the baker, the chief baker, and then the chief cupbearer. They're, they're, they offended the powers that be. And they had dreams, and Joseph interpreted them, and they forgot about him. He stayed in jail. And then there came a point when Pharaoh had a dream. And they're like, oh, we know a guy who, who interprets dreams. And so then Joseph remembered after years in jail and being forgotten. So it's interesting, you guys. I'm not going to put all these betrayals on the same level. We shouldn't put all these betrayals on the same level because there are certain wounds that are, they're deeper. They're cut deeper. There are certain offenses and hurts that are deeper. So I'm telling you right now, the, the 
the plan to murder Joseph by his brothers and then to act out that plan by throwing him in a pit and selling him into slavery, that's here. All of your hurts aren't in the same place. We, we have offenses, we have hurts, we run to the Lord. But I'm telling you, we, each, one of us, each one of us have these where we probably say, I'd, put, I'd drink that one number one. I'd put that one here. Potiphar's wife thing, I mean, I don't know where it is, but it sure, it's, yeah, it's there, but it's not the betrayal he saw from his family. The, the being forgotten in jail by the, uh, the, the chief cupbearer and, and the baker, which is, once again, don't you find that interesting that bread and wine are the elements of communion and the people that he's in jail with are a baker and a cupbearer? I just, lots of cool things in the story, but I want to stay pretty focused. But even that offense, that's here. And then the Lord uses it. The Lord uses it to fulfill promise and prophecy and, and the dream that he had. And the dream talked about famine and God's plan to provide for people in the midst of famine. Okay, it's not just about famine, it's about God's provision. And that included his brothers who show up one day to, to receive grain. And he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. Okay? And so th- that kind of sets our story into motion. You know, you can read it all for yourself, um, but I'm going to pick up in Genesis 45, verse 1. He's, he's before his brothers. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried. Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept out loud. So that the Egyptians in the other rooms, the Egyptians heard it. And he wept out loud so that the household of Pharaoh heard it. That's some weeping. That, that's some vulnerability. That's some healing that's taking place as he stands before his brothers, his, the ones who had betrayed him, but his, his brothers. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is, is my father still alive? Is your father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. What's another word that we can use for dismayed here in this moment? They're terrified. They're, they're like, oh, poop, oh, poop. Like, they're terrified. They're shocked. They thought he was dead. He's alive. He's not just alive. He is in this place of authority and provision And they're dismayed. Huge understatement word there. They're dismayed. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. Still pretty afraid and dismayed, I'm certain. And he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you 
to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Today I want to talk about fully forgiving. See, we're fully forgiven. We're fully forgiven. By the completed work of Jesus Christ, we are fully forgiven. That's not what this message is about. This message is about us fully forgiving. And I emphasize that because we all know darn well that we can partially forgive, right? We can partially forgive. We can, even if that partial is a good chunk, we, we, we can forgive, but it's not fully forgiving. And we're going to talk about what that looks like to fully forgive. I'm going to talk about six things that show us that we are committed to fully forgiving. So here's the thing, guys. We have to commit to this. We have to commit to fully forgiving. So let me just take a, a brief moment to fully forgive who? Our betrayer. The one who hurt us the most. The one who wounded us. The one that we placed trust in and that we should have been able to turn our back on and not worry about our backside, but we were stabbed in the back. So yes, to that person. But also fully forgiving ourselves. Man, if I, when I made that decision, that affected the course of my life and how different would, would my life have been if I hadn't done that? I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. Whatever those things are that we beat ourselves up, we've got to commit to fully forgiving ourselves. And even as crazy as this one sounds, we've got to commit to fully forgiving God. Now, I'm not saying God sinned against us, but... He's big enough to endure our hurt. And he's loving enough as a father to understand that sometimes we blame him. And, and we say things like, Lord, why, why weren't you there? Lord, why didn't you do this? Lord, why didn't you step in? Lord, you said you'd always be there, but Lord, you weren't there. And, and he's like, he didn't see where I was in the midst of that. She didn't see where I was. I was there. But come on. I can, you know, and... So we have to commit to fully forgive. So I'm going to talk about six things. Number one, and I'm going to pull up that same scripture. So stay right there in Genesis. When we commit to fully forgiving, number one, a heart of restoration prevents us from slandering the others and, and telling everyone what they did to hurt us. A heart of restoration, when we're fully committed to forgiving, that heart of restoration prevents us from slamming that person that hurt us. And that's tough. I probably should have given a disclaimer beforehand, guys, that this is going to be a challenging word, but our God is big and he's the healer. But I, it's going to be a bit challenging. But I promise you, the end result of this is freedom. If we will commit 
to fully forgiving, the result is freedom. It is freedom. We get to move on to the new things in God, unshackled, unhindered, un, you know, broken. Like we get to move in freedom. Verse 1, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried. Make everyone go out for me, he said. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He made everyone in the room leave. Everyone leave. No, not you guys. You point to his brothers. You stay. Everyone else leave. Why? See, Joseph knew that he was going to ask his family, you need to move to Egypt to endure this famine. You're going to have to, it's not going to be enough for you just to kind of come and go. You're going to have to come here. I want you to come here. He knew that. And he didn't want the people that served him, that attended to him, that honored him to have knowledge of the betrayal that his brothers had done against him. See, when when his family comes in, he wants them to come in where they're honored. Is that just remarkable? How in the world can he have that heart? Because he fully forgave. By this point, he had fully forgave. Now, he's moved with emotion. He is crying. He is weeping so loud that people are hearing him. But by this point, he has already fully committed. And he didn't want all of these attendants to be tainted by hearing about, about what they did to him. So he sent them out of the room. Okay, I'm not... This is hard, guys. Like, like we find... Sometimes it's therapeutic for us to slam the other people that have wounded us and we want people to know how bad we've been hurt. And if we're totally honest, we want them to know and then we want them to not like them. Like, you need to know how this person hurt me, how this dude hurt me, how this woman hurt me, and I I want you, I dislike her this much. I want you to dislike her this much with me. I need you, like, to have disdain for her also. She hurt me. He hurt me. You guys, we surrender the right to let others know what people did to us and how bad they hurt us. And just so you know, I think, I think I came with number one. This is the hardest one right here. This is the hardest one. But, but Mark, I've got to, surely I've got to be able to get this off my chest. Surely I've got to be able to talk about this. Surely I've got to be able to just dump and vomit this and share. Absolutely, 100%, I am with you. And that person is Jesus. Actually, there's three of them. You can run to Jesus. You can run to your heavenly Father who is perfect and always present and has time for you, and he cares. And you can run to the Holy Spirit who's the comforter, and he's going to comfort you. But most of us aren't real good about that. We're easy running to that person that's closest to us. I'm, man, it's easy for Kara to run to me, for me to run to Kara. That's easy. There's closeness. It's easy for me to run to Andy, for Andy to run to me. We're close. That's easy. But for some reason, it's hard to say, God, I'm so broken. I'm so hurting. I've so been betrayed. I'm so angry. And that's the one we're supposed to run to. Number two, 
the second sign that we can tell that we are fully committed to fully forgiving is we won't let them feel fear from us. We won't emotionally manipulate them to feel shame and to feel fear because we've forgiven them. And I'm 6'2". I'll say 255. A little more than 255. But we'll say 6'2", 255. Got a nice beard. The intimidation factor, if I wanted the intimidation factor to be there, it can be there. When I hear stories, like when I'm standing before the brothers, there's something inside me that riles up, like, oh, that's the moment to, like, flex. And, and what does Joseph do? He's like, come close to me. Come close to me. So Joseph said to his brothers, this is verse 4, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. I'm your brother. Like, I know you don't believe it, but I'm your brother. But he drew them close. You guys, why do we keep financial records? As I get a tissue, we keep financial ref- records as proof of what we've paid, right? Thank you, babe. We keep financial records as proof of what we've paid. Why do we keep a record of wrongs? To have proof of what we're owed. That's why we keep a record of wrongs, so that we have proof of what we're owed, of what they've done. I love Romans 6, verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you were now ashamed of doing? For the end of those things is death. But now, now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, to to purity and life and salvation. And its end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is what? The wages of sin is death. What are wages? Wages are what you've earned. Wages are what I've earned. When you get your paycheck, when it shows your wages and you've earned this, here you go. Here's the result of your wages. And now we're being told right here, the wages, the things you've earned, that sin you've done, The result of that is death. That's what we deserve. But it doesn't end there. But the free gift, something you didn't earn, something you didn't earn, it's a free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You guys, if we are fully committed to fully forgiving, we surrender the right to punish them. We surrender the right to shame them. We surrender the right to intimidate them or to belittle them. We surrender that right because we've surrendered to Christ. We've received his grace and his forgiveness. And and he tells us there's no record of your sin. There's no record 
of what you've done as far as the east is from the west. I've thrown it away from you. There is no record. And then he says this, will you follow my lead and keep no record of sins? And will you forgive just as I've forgiven you? And the result is we get to walk in freedom. Number three, we help them to forgive themselves. Isn't that remarkable? Isn't that incredible that we, we have such a grace from God and we've been so saved. We've been so saved that we, we say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he's like, help them to forgive themselves because they're carrying this and they're going to keep carrying this, and I need, I need you to be part of this healing that I want for them, and I need, will you help them forgive themselves? And we see it here. We see it in Scripture, and it's remarkable. Verse 5, he says this to his brothers, and now don't be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. He's like, don't beat yourselves up. Like, he just comes straight to it. These are among like the first 30 words he said. And he comes with it right away. Now, don't, don't beat yourselves up over doing this. And then he says, why? He says, because it wasn't you who sent me here. It was God. God had a bigger purpose in this than, than what, what we knew at the time. This isn't a guy who's trying to forgive, friends. Joseph is a man who has already fully forgiven and this is just his opportunity to now speak life and to be used of God and bring in forgiveness to others. We have got to forgive long before we're faced with that person who wounded us. We've got to forgive long before we get an apology which you may never get. You better surrender that right too. You better surrender that right to an apology especially if they've passed away. You're not getting the apology if they're dead. Right? You guys with me? We surrender the right to see them squirm. We surrender the rights to hear them admit that they were wrong. We help them. Number four, we let them save face. We let them save face. Maybe this one's the hardest. Maybe this one's, this one's up there. This one's hard too. Verse 8. He says, It was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all, over all the land of Egypt. He actually makes it about God and his plan and his purpose. He starts turning it saying, Oh, what, what the enemy meant for harm, God has used for his good. And I'm now able to feed thousands upon thousands upon thousands because it was God's plan that all this happened. Look at the life that's come out of this. Hey, hey. God's bigger than this is what... He, he didn't say, hey, what you did to me, that, that's, that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. That's okay. Because it wasn't Okay. Public service announcement, plotting to kill somebody. 
Not okay. It's not okay. And then even if you change the course and you're like, okay, we're just going to sell them. Not okay. So, so Joseph's not saying what they did was okay. What he's saying is God's bigger than this. And I want you to have his grace just as I've had his grace. God's bigger than this. So we show grace. Number five. Let me do a quick recap. Let me do a quick recap. Number one, a heart of restoration prevents us from telling others about what they did to us. Number two, we won't let them feel fear from us or shame. Any of that punishing behavior. Number three, we help them to forgive themselves. Four, we let them save face. Now, number five, it is a lifetime commitment. It's a lifetime commitment. So let me tell you how the first time that I was seriously betrayed, and it was a, it was a believer, it was a Christian leader, first time that I was betrayed, that, I can, that it really impacted me, where I couldn't just shake it off, Here's how my prayers went. Lord, Lord, you know what he did, and I'd be okay with, if you just took him out. I'd be okay with it. Lord, he's going to go to heaven anyway. He's going to be with you. He's not a good man, but he's yours, and so just take him out. Okay. Then that turned to, Lord, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Have your way in his life. And in my mind, what am I thinking his way is? Taking him out. Okay? So then went to Lord, have, have, have your way. Then it went to, Lord, I forgive him. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. But I forgive him. As an act of my will, I forgive him. As a choice, I forgive him. As obedience to you, I forgive him. And that season lasted what felt like forever. And then it was, Lord, I'm not just saying that this time. Like, I think I really do forgive him. I think I really do forgive him. Yeah, I actually mean it this time, Lord. Like, I, I actually mean it. I forgive him. And then it turned to this. And spoiler alert, I'm jumping ahead. Then it turns to this. Uh, for, for, no, wait, wait. We'll get there in a second. I, I don't want to spoil it. Okay. You guys, we are free when we are fully committed to forgiving and we want them to be free. So I've been reading from Genesis 45, right? We see that Joseph has already forgiven them, right? So now let's skip ahead to Genesis 50. Okay, it's five chapters later. And Joseph's dad dies. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, they schemed. They're still scheming. They're still broken. They're still broken, you guys. They're not. They're still broken. They said, it, it may be that, that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did to him since, since dad's now dead. The whole godfather rule, right? Like now that the godfather's out of the picture, now he's going to get his revenge. So they sent a, mo a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this, they, you guys, they're lying. They're totally lying. Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. 
And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. When Joseph heard this, he wept again when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him. And they, they humbled themselves. They're, they're starting to get healing. They're still pretty broken, but they're starting to get healing. But at least they humble themselves. They said, Behold, we're your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it uh, about that many should be kept alive as they are here today. You know what he's saying? I forgave you decades ago. I forgave you years. I mean, we don't know exactly when he forgave. We'll just use years. I forgave you years ago. Let it go. Once again, drawing near. Guys, you're forgiven. I want you to be free. And then we see the final thing. Number six, we bless them. We go out of our way to petition God to bless them. That's the final one that I kind of, you know, hung there. That was the cliffhanger. After we get to the point where we're like, Lord, I really do mean it. Lord, I forgive them. Then we take it that step further and we say, Lord, I want you to bless them. And here's what you've got to prepare yourself for. He's probably going to. He's probably going to. He's probably going to bless them. Because his love knows no end. His mercy knows no end. His grace is without measure. And we get to this point where we say, Lord, not only do I forgive them, I I bless them. I bless them. Maybe we even call them by name, so-and-so. I bless you. I bless you with every good thing that comes from our God. I bless you with grace. May you feel His mercy and His grace. Not because you deserve it, because none of us do, but because He is good. I bless you with freedom. You may be still beating yourself up, but I, I bless you with freedom. Verse 21, So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Generosity. We talk a lot about living our lives generously. Friends, this is living our lives generously. With grace, with forgiveness, with help, with care. All right. I know this is a hard word. So I, I have the I have a very unique perspective. I'm standing here and I'm seeing your faces. And you don't know that you're showing me your face, but I'm, I'm seeing it. So I'm, I'm looking across into the Holy Spirit's just bringing things to my heart. I know there's hurts and I know there's wounds and I know there's betrayals and I see it. And I love you and I love you and God loves you. And his grace is so here for you right now where that you can, can make yourselves bare and transparent and vulnerable. And his grace is so huge for you right now. It is so huge for you, but you can't suck it up and push it down and pretend like it doesn't hurt. You can't do that. We've got to trust the Lord and the end result will be freedom. And not just freedom for you, possibly freedom for generations. And I am not just saying that. Because that's what our God does. 
Husbands and wives, if we would forgive each other quickly and fully and we would be committed to forgiving each other, oh my gosh, our marriages would go to places that we haven't even imagined yet. Sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, if we would forgive our brothers and sisters and children and parents, if we would commit to saying, I'm not making this about you. This, I'm not making this about you. I'm making this about, about you, Jesus. And you forgave me for everything. So, Lord, I make it about you and not anyone else. See, that's what Joseph did. He found forgiveness because he made it about the purpose and the plans of God long before his brothers came back in. Can we stand up? I I don't make a stand up often. You know this. I I just don't do it that often. But I want to put action to this message and that's the first bit of action we can take as we can stand. Let's close our eyes. And if this is really cooking in your kitchen, if this is really hitting home, uh, Jesus is so affectionately asking you to trust him and to commit this day to, to fully forgiving You've, you've partially forgiven. You've, you've, and you've done a bang-up job of it. You've, you've been faithful, and it just hasn't gotten to that point yet where you feel it. And the Lord says, keep going. I see your commitment. Stay in this place. Forgive, forgive, forgive. There's going to come a point when, the, when you're going to turn the corner, and you are going to feel it, but I know you don't right now. So stay in this act of faith. Continue standing with me. Right there where you are, would you just listen to see if the Lord's speaking something really unique and personal to you. Just take a second and just listen. See if he's saying, calling your name and saying something specific to you. something from the Lord, now take a second and respond to him. Say something back. Say something back. If he's talking, he's opened up dialogue, so just respond to him right now. Father, I come to you right now and we come to you right now. And you know our hurts, but we, we're committed. We're committed to forgiving. And we thank you that you are committed to healing us. In fact, you've already, you've already worked that out because of the work, the completed work of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we agree with you. We agree with you and your commands to forgive. Seven times, Lord. 
No. Seven times 70. You keep forgiving. As often as you're hurt, you keep forgiving. As you often... As you feel the pain, you keep forgiving. As often as you remember, you keep forgiving. So, Lord, we agree with you. Because that's part of your plan is to... This commitment to forgive. And, Lord, we ask you to, to heal us. You're the healer, so would you just heal our hearts as we walk this walk with you of choosing forgiveness, of committing to fully forgive. Lord, even now, I believe that, that you want to like bring closure to some where that they're like, this is the day, this is the day that I feel, I feel it. I'm really starting to forgive. Lord, I pray that there would be celebrations in the hearts of those that are at that place, Lord. And I pray that there would be hope and faith and endurance in the hearts of those that, those that aren't there yet. Lord Jesus, I declare you are so faithful. And no matter where each one of us are, you are faithful in that place. And we look to you, King Jesus. Reign in our hearts. Bring healing to our minds and emotions. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I know it's a tough word. Maybe you already went over there for prayer earlier. And maybe you need prayer again. Maybe, I'm just being honest, Like maybe you do. You're like, hey, you talked about all this stuff and now I'm feeling it. So we will have people, actually, forget over there. We'll have people back up here, okay, ready to pray for you if you're like, okay, I need prayer right now. Before I leave this place, I need prayer once again. So, team, if y'all would be quick to to come forward uh, when we close out the service. If you need prayer again, yeah, come on up now. I love it. If you need prayer then it's here waiting for you and our God is so faithful. I'll leave us with this blessing. Um, And I truly, you guys, our God is so faithful. He wouldn't give us this word today if he wasn't committed to bringing some pretty awesome healing. So let's trust him, okay? Um, I'll bless you now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.